You know, you would be wise, and I would be wise, not to boast about tomorrow. Don't do it. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembrick. I'm Janice. And there's a lot of people who like to talk about tomorrow and say great things they're going to do. But eh, maybe you should back off. We'll talk about that today as we study this in Proverbs chapter 27. A couple of verses there that are really interesting. Anyway, that's good. Corey is here with Ryan. Corey, what's going on? I'm focusing on Proverbs chapter 25 today and this idea of ice houses. Ryan? Well, what does it mean to heap burning coals upon the head of your enemy, as it says in Proverbs 25, 22? Well, that's what we're going to try and find out today. Ice houses, really? Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to this in about 20 minutes. Okay, Janice? A question. Are you hungry? That's a good question. <laughs> well, let's go into the Bible and find out what God said to us in Proverbs chapter 27. Open it up because here it is. Proverbs 27, verses 1 through 8. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. Wrath is cruel, and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. Like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. Proverbs chapter 27 verses 1 through 8. Well, we read Proverbs 25, Proverbs 26, and Proverbs 27 as we continue to go through the Bible. With our emphasis today, we're going to capture Proverbs 27, 1 through 8, and talk about tomorrow. <laughs> One of the greatest wrongs in life is to brag about how right you are. There is nothing worse than boasting about yourself. First of all, to boast about yourself is a sign of bad character. Next, when we boast, we assume that we know what's going to happen. And yet often what does happen is the opposite. No one knows what will happen until it does. And that's why the Bible is very clear when it says, in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1, it says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth, close quote. As Christians, we should keep our life and our work in God's hands. Many have chosen against that instruction by trusting in themselves for what tomorrow should bring. We would do well to know the one who holds tomorrow, and that would be Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ. So, Let's remember that because it's important to do so. 
Take out your Bible guide. Let's turn to today's passage. We're going to look at this tomorrow. And we're going to look at the three points that surround these eight verses. And if you don't have a Bible guide, why not? Write to us or call us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And you can click on it. It'll take you to a page where you can donate. Thank you for your donations. And then it'll take you to a page where you can download the guide. And uh, it's just like it printed. It's absolutely amazing. And uh, your seconds to meet us. Very good. Now, we need to pray. <laughs> if ever we needed to pray, now's the time we need to pray. Because a lot of people are putting up a lot of other people to worship and boast about. But let's remember that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And Jesus Christ is God. We have to remember that. When my father was small uh, and uh, younger, uh, he wrote, Jesus is Lord. Then when he got older, he married and had kids. I used to watch him doodle. He would doodle, Jesus is Lord. And I never understood why, but everywhere he was, he would always write, Jesus is Lord. I figured out why. Because he knew that Jesus is Lord. Very important. As we look at this, let's pray. Father, help us now. Amen. Proverbs chapter 27. This is really good. Listen carefully. Do not boast about tomorrow. Don't do it. Do not boast about tomorrow. For you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another man praise you. Somebody else. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth. What a great advice. A stranger and not your own lips. Now, this is really important. I want everybody to listen to me and listen to the word of God, because I have to listen to this as well. We would do well not to boast about anything in the future. Tomorrow is something no one knows except God, Yeshua HaMashiach. Now, as Paul said, if you're going to boast, the boast about the Lord and what he's done for others. Don't boast about yourself. You know, how many people do we see? They're in self-help books and everything else, and they say, well, you got to love yourself. So I'm great, and I'm great. I'm Well, no. We don't need self-esteem. Listen to me carefully. We don't need self-esteem. We need Christ-esteem as Christians. We need to lift up Jesus Christ, and he will make a way for us. He will heal our minds, and he will help us. That's what we need. Proverbs 27, verses 3 and 5. Here we go. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. A fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. Wrath is cruel and anger is a torrent. But who is able to stand before jealousy? Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. This is all interesting. We would do better with open conflict rather than hidden hatred. Christians should not allow hatred to plague their souls, but to forgive. And I remember dealing with this on a regular basis, and I still do, with people who say to me, this happened to me and some really horrible things happened, and they just struggle. And they can't forgive. And I tell them, well, you don't have to. The Holy Spirit in you 
As long as you yield yourself to God, he will help you. And it takes some time, but he does. He does. I've never seen it fail. Now, I want to say that this is not easy. We don't need to be, you know, taking somebody to court for 30 years ago. We don't need to be doing that. What we need to be doing is forgiving, helping people to understand that we are big enough because of Jesus Christ living in us that we can forgive. Something to think about, especially in today's world. Proverbs 27, verse 6 and 8. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. You know, this is something else. We do better when we are faithful in life not to wander. Don't wander. And I'm not talking about physically wandering. I'm talking about wandering in your mind. Christians are called to remain committed to God and his followers. That's why we read the Bible every day. Because if we didn't, I, I like my wife, Janice, is a wonderful person and she's got a great analogy. She says, if you get up every morning and you never take a shower, you never brush your teeth, you never clean yourself, and every day you just live like that for a while, after a while you start seeing distance between you and other people because you smell and you stink. But if you get up and wash yourself, cleanse yourself, prepare yourself, it's like reading the Bible. Beloved, if we get up daily and we read just a little bit of the Bible and we cleanse our spirits and our souls and we say, God, help me. I'm trying to live today. Help me. God answers our prayers and God helps us. And so, beloved, that's what it's like. It's like getting up every morning and cleansing your soul, trusting in God and praying to him. Remember, prayer is one oar in a boat. Bible reading is another or if you only pray, you go in circles. If you only read your Bible, you go in circles, but through Bible reading and prayer together, you move forward, rowing that boat. God keeps you going forward. Beloved, we must go forward. So Christians, Christ followers, people who've given their life to Jesus Christ, read the Bible, pray every single day and God will direct you and he will keep you. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Proverbs 25 verse 13 compares a, a trustworthy messenger to a refreshing 
cold drink on a hot day. Specifically, the words used are a snow-cooled drink、uh, during the harvest. So that got me thinking. We did this last year too, but I'm gonna I'm putting it in here because I just think it's so interesting. It's something that we don't always think about as modern people because、uh, you know we have generally refrigerators and ice makers, or we can run to the gas station and, and grab a bag of ice or something like that. We don't have to think about how ancient people would have created or stored ice, let alone in hot and warm climates. So take a look at ancient ice houses. In an age before electricity, and in a warm climate like the Near East, ancient people still found a way to keep their buildings cool and their food and drinks frosted. Utilizing their natural environment, a combination of the Earth's underground temperature—shade, water, nighttime temperatures, wind, and human construction—were combined by the ancients to create. Ice houses. There are examples still standing in modern-day Iran, representing ancient Persia. There are remains of 7th century BC ice houses in China, and the oldest reference found thus far goes to ancient Mesopotamia, a record dating to 1,780 BC, belonging to the once and now famous King Zimri Lim of Mari, reports his commissioning of a new ice house to keep ice from the nearby mountains. By studying the younger examples from Iran, a lot can be learned about storing and making ice in a hot climate. For cold storage, insulation is key, so the ice houses, also called ice pits, would be dug deep into the earth where the temperatures are naturally cooler, and a plaster lining would be added. Next, a large, high, thick dome would be built over top with air vents to allow the exit of warm air. Sometimes a high wall would be built to help shade the dome, and underwater aqueducts could also be incorporated to vent cooler, water-bearing air up into the ice house. These underwater channels would also feed a shallow pool that could be built by the ice house to make ice in the cold nights of winter. When used, these shallow pools would be shaded by a large wall, fed with cooler underground water, and would freeze naturally overnight in the winter. To be harvested in chunks and brought into the ice house for storage, wind catching towers could also be used to help naturally circulate the air. In Iran, these towers and ventilation systems are widely known and were incorporated into homes, palaces, and public buildings. Essentially, they catch the wind, allowing it to blow into buildings, and then a system of secondary vents pulls the hot air out. In ice house designs, these towers were utilized to help mitigate those hot summer temperatures. Understandably, ice houses probably held a lot more than ice and snow. As we do today, refrigeration is an effective method of food preservation and was more than likely another use for the ancient ice house. And though the oldest record of an ice house was commissioned by a king, from examples in modern Iran, it's possible that these could also have been constructed for public use. Well, there are no existent examples of ice house remains from ancient Israel that I am aware of. Proverbs twenty-five likely references the practice. It says, "Like a snow-cooled drink at harvest time is a trustworthy messenger to the one who sends him. He refreshes the spirit of his master." 
So there we go. And it's, it is important to know that, uh, you know, the Proverbs are claiming to be written around the time period of Solomon. And there is no physical evidence for an ancient ice house being constructed in ancient Israel. Doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It just means that there isn't any evidence for it. But uh, this practice certainly must have been known about that, that it did exist in other regions. I think the important thing to remember as well is the climate changes. And uh, we're talking about climate change today and all of that. But climates have changed somewhat. Uh, and the topography of Israel's changed a lot. And we're talking 3,000 years ago when Solomon wrote this mm -hmm. and in his time. So that's But there are surviving, you know, we looked at it in the segment, there are surviving ice houses from Turkey and, and, and from like a few other places. So there is evidence for it happening and for them being used, which is very cool. Yeah, that is very Literally. interesting. Literally. Yeah, it's well, cool. <laughs> exactly. These guys are smart guys. Snow cold too. drink on a, on a harvest day. I mean, mm -hmm. that, that's what you want. You want the snow cold drink. You do. You want the, the well, anyway. I'm you not want saying. a trustworthy messenger. Yeah, it's I, like exactly. tall, tall cold mm -hmm. glass of water right Absolutely. there. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't think they had Frosties at that time. But Probably not. But anyway, if they who did, knows? it would be made with the fruit. It would be better for you. Anyway. <laughs> okay, Ryan, go ahead. All right. Well, today my report focuses on Proverbs 25, 21, and 22, which instructs us that if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you will heap coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Now, while the message of this proverb is clear, which is to love your enemies and return evil with good, what we want to focus on is the result, because the result is that you will heat burning coals on your enemy's head. Now, that's a very interesting illusion, and we want to try and figure out what it means and what it's referring to. So let's do that. Although a human's natural tendency is to love his friends and hate his enemies, Solomon in Proverbs 25 verses 21 and 22 goes against the grain by suggesting to his readers that if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat, and if he is thirsty, give him water to drink, for you will heat burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. The Apostle Paul, who directly quoted this proverb in Romans 12.20, also admonishes his readers to do likewise. And the Messiah, Jesus, so too stressed this principle in Matthew 5.44. Interestingly, certain extra-biblical wisdom literature also admonishes such behavior. For instance, an ancient Egyptian work advises the wise person to shame fools or their enemies by pulling them out of deep water and by feeding them once bread until they are so full that they are ashamed. Similarly, the precepts and admonitions in Babylonian wisdom literature states that the wise man should not return evil to the man who disputes with you, and should in fact smile on your adversary. While this is almost certainly the direction in which this proverb is going, Solomon's metaphor of heaping burning coals on the head remains somewhat obscure. One possibility is that it's a reference to a particular Assyrian punishment in which hot asphalt was poured on the offender's head. The problem with this is that Proverbs 25 refers to coals, not hot tar. In fact, this Assyrian practice sounds a lot more like the punishment of tarring and feathering that we read about in more recent historical accounts. A second and more likely possibility is that Solomon was referring to an Egyptian ritual in which a guilty person, as a sign of repentance, carried a basin of glowing coals on the head. In other words, by being kind to your enemy, you cause them to become red in the face through embarrassment and move them to repent. 
But it's important to understand that in this context, coals of fire doesn't refer to revenge or punishment, but to the pangs of shame that will lead to reconciliation. Indeed, the imagery of the burning coals represents pangs of conscience, more readily affected by kindness than by violence. The wise and godly advice of Solomon, Paul, and Jesus is very clear. We must love our enemies and return evil with good, in hopes that our adversary will be moved to repentance. But even if they aren't, Solomon promises in Proverbs 25:22 that the Lord will surely reward you. Therefore, contrary to our sinful instincts, we must love our enemies and overcome evil with good, no matter what. So this metaphor may or may not be referring to an old Egyptian custom in which a guilty person as a sign of repentance carried a basin of glowing coals on the head. And just like their faces would become red from the heat, our enemies become red in the face from embarrassment because of our kind and loving response. But whether this is the exact image Solomon had in mind or not, the message of Solomon and Paul and Jesus is still crystal clear. We must never return evil with evil, but return evil with good, and love and pray for our enemies and our persecutors. Not only is this the right thing to do as believers in Jesus Christ, but by doing so, our enemies may be drawn into repentance and actually become our friends. And becoming our friends may lead them into a saving relationship with Christ Jesus. An important life lesson from Solomon, Paul, and our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Solomon was married to Pharaoh's daughter. And this is fascinating. He had connections with mm -hmm. uh, ancient Egypt. For and, sure. And uh, when you think it through and you begin to understand the culture and all the things going on, you go, wait a minute. Wait a minute, that's interesting. Anyway, mm -hmm. fascinating stuff, Ryan, thank you. Uh, Jen? Well, I titled this, Are You Hungry? And here's another one of those segments where I really hope that God helps me to get out of what's in my heart and in my mind into you. So I'm looking at Proverbs chapter 27 and looking at each of these verses with just so much uh, depth and wisdom in them. But I, I came to verse seven and read, A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. And I paused on that one. And I thought to myself, are we hungry? Am I hungry? And I'm not talking about food, food. I'm talking about my relationship with the Lord. Am I hungry to seek after God? Because it says here, a satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. So I was thinking about, you know, just recently we, I, I did a big dinner at home and, you know, everybody brought something. And at the end of the meal, you're just done. You just, you've had a little bit of everything and then nothing looks good anymore because you're just, you're satisfied. You don't need any more, right? And I got thinking about that, that even, even a, a spoonful of honey at that point, I wouldn't like it. But it's, it goes on to say, but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. And when we hunger after the Lord Jesus, when we come to his word, which we know is the bread of life, it's, it's the living water. When we come to that hungry all the time, even sometimes when we read the word, it's bittersweet. Because a lot of times 
we read the word and we get blessed because we read things that encourages us, that brings truth to our spirit, that, that encourage us. But there are times when we read it that we understand how much we're missing the mark and how that our thinking, the way we were raised maybe, or some of the things that we've done as tradition is actually not right. It's not the way that we should be living. And, and sometimes those things are hard to swallow. They're bitter, but even those things in our life to a hungry soul, even everything bitter is sweet. Rod, I hear you talk a lot uh, off the top of the program before you teach. When you pray about the lesson that you're about to teach on the program, and you talk about let's not read the word for for what we're we're going to go after it to prove something that we believe in our heart, but let's read it so that we can receive out of it the teaching that God wants us to receive from that. And so that's how, how I've kind of looked at this verse. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. You know, if we just well, you know, I've asked Jesus in my heart, but I've read the Bible once. We, you know, I, I've read it. I've read it already. I don't need to read it again. That's a satisfied soul. We should never be satisfied. We should wake up every morning and, and be energized to spend time in the Word, to spend time with the Lord, to, to get full, to get full of His life, that abundant life, to be filled and receive that living water so that we'll never thirst again. Those are the things that we need to long after, that we need to go after. So are you hungry? Are you hungry for God? And uh, so that when you come to his word, even the things that are bitter are still sweet to you because you know that it brings you abundant life. It brings truth and clarity in your walk and your relationship with God. So that's what I wanted to focus on today. Are you hungry? I want to be hungry. I want to be hungry after God. I never want to be satisfied. I want more of God every day. Every day that I'm alive, I want to know more of God. I want to grow more, learn more, that's why we're here, right? You have to we have want more. people. Yeah. We want people because you know what? We're energized. I, I read a, a lot of your letters and comments, and a lot of times people will say, "You know, I'm just really uh, energized because you guys really seem to love the word. You get excited." Well, you know what? It's not a pretend excitement. It, it's true, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. like For we sure. have an, an energy and excitement because the word of God has impacted us as a family, individually, Mm -hmm. and as a family, it has rescued us. God has rescued us so many, time after time after time, we have learned so much, and we have so much to learn. So let's be hungry for the Lord and His Word. I like uh, how you say reading the Bible just once because, and I continue to read the Bible, Mm -hmm. and I love it. And, you know, I'm going through the Bible again, and I'm thinking to myself, I didn't see that the first 32 times. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I mean, seriously, it's, re- yeah. it's really, really important.
Join me every day, well, every other day, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3.30. We have a prayer meeting on Facebook, YouTube, and Bible Discovery TV where we pray for you. I'd love to have the opportunity to do so, and I'd love the opportunity for you to pray for others as we learn that God teaches us to pray. So today we close the program, and here's how we pray. Let's pray together. Lord, help me to remember that taking care of one another is a principal aspect of justice. Help me to do that today. 